welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the afternoon service of Sunday the 6th of November 2011, entitled, Something Always Happens, and the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. Here's Brother Colin Pavitt. You know, if you go into hospital and you have chest pains, the doctor might say, well, perhaps he's having a myocardial infarction. Most normal people would call that a heart attack, you know. And, uh, you know, there's, there's jargon surrounds uh, computers. Every branch of um, study and science seem to have its own jargon. Well, there's also a lot of jargon around theology and preaching. Let me l- let you into a secret here. The, the, the word for uh, preaching is homiletics. And the word really means the art and the science of preaching. And most preachers have gone through some sort of study of that. And when I was learning the art and the science of preaching, I was always told, whatever you do, and I remember the principal at our college used to uh, drive it into my mind, whatever you do, Brother Colin, whenever you're preaching, never, never, never preach on a full stomach. Uh, And so, you know, that's a rule I'm going to break this afternoon. I really enjoyed the meal. It was super. And all you ladies and others who contributed to that, uh, it was a fine meal. And we recognize what a lot of hard work it is uh, to prepare something like that. And Rosal and I have been blessed by your hospitality and the warm welcome which we've received here. And we thank each and every one of you. And uh, we're just privileged to be here uh, with you this special day in your church life. I would ask you, if you would, to turn to the book of Acts this afternoon. The book of Acts. And uh, we'll be reading from uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. The book of Acts, chapter 3, and verses 1 to 11. And uh, remember, of course, that Luke was the author of this book, the same man who wrote uh, Luke's Gospel. And the Bible says here in uh, um, Acts chapter 3 and verse number 1, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eye upon him, his eyes upon him, with John said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered, entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. 
And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. Now, the book of Acts is an action book. It's the only history book in the New Testament And it literally moves from one event to another as the New Testament church, as we understand it, is founded. There's another book which isn't a history book, but that also is an action book. That's the book of Mark. In the book of Mark, you'll find the word straightway and immediately occurs many times. And so Mark and Acts are often looked upon as the action books. Uh, And here in chapter 3, we see a lot of action. And the title for the message this afternoon is Something Always Happens. There's always something happening in the book of Acts. There's perhaps on one occasion, many occasions, people getting saved. At times there's people being healed. At other times there's people being encouraged. And really this sets the standard for the New Testament church in the early New Testament church. And very often we hear complaints, and some of the churches I go in, I hear complaints, well, nothing is happening, preacher. Let me tell you, if somebody says to you in a fundamental Bible-believing church that nothing is happening, well, that's probably the clearest proof they're not a Christian. Because where God is working in his people, there is always something happening. And the word bored should not be put into our vocabulary. It's impossible for a Christian who's on fire for Jesus and serving the Lord to be bored. And there was no boredom here in the book of Acts. There there was action, action, action. And often along with that, there was opposition, opposition, opposition. But the fact is, as you celebrate your anniversary today, there has been something happening at Bethel Free Baptist Church for the last 80 years. Because if it wasn't of God, it still wouldn't be here, folks. And so something always happens. Now, in this particular passage this afternoon, I'd like us to see some key things as to when things happen. You know, we're always expecting God to work. Well, here's some principles here in Acts chapter 3. The first thing we can say is that something always happens when God's people are faithful. Notice here in verse number 1, the Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple. You see, they were faithful going to the house of the Lord to worship God. And when people are faithful and they gather together as people have been doing so here for 80 years and you have today, something always happens. God's always working in people's hearts and lives. And it should be that we should leave the house of God and we should be changed to some degree to be more like Christ. You know, the the most important thing is in our Christian lives is that we become more like Jesus. We should be able to look back if we've been walking with the Lord for any period of time and we should be able to say if we look back five years that by God's grace I'm more like Jesus today than what I was five years ago. But you see the important point is Peter and John had to go to the temple. They had to be faithful. 
And if we miss being regular at the house of the Lord, we are going to miss a blessing. And so this is really important. The Bible tells us that we shouldn't neglect or we shouldn't forsake a gathering together. And even more so in the light that Jesus could return at any time. And it's an amazing thing. People may miss church for a few weeks and then they come back in and they think, no, nothing's happening. But the problem is they weren't in church the previous week. They missed what was happening. And so the first thing what happened here in the book of Acts was something always happened, always happened without exception when people were faithful to the house of the Lord. And if you continue to be faithful to keep this place open, things will continue to happen. God will continue to be glorified and people will continue to be saved and book a home in heaven. That's just the way it is. So first thing then, something always happens when God's people are faithful. Secondly, something always happens when God's people pray. Look here again in verse number one. The Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. If we want to see the hand of God moving, we need to be praying people. As I study and as if you took opportunity to study all the great men and women of God in the Bible, most of the time it was a result of faithful praying people when something amazing happened. If you want something to happen in Birmingham City Centre, Next Saturday when you're down there, you have to be praying as a group of God's people. God expects you to ask him to bless you. God expects you to pray on behalf of those who are not saved. And so it's really important that we should be praying. If nothing is happening in your life, you have to ask yourself, am I spending sufficient time in communication with my Heavenly Father? It's really, really important. Now, don't get me wrong, praying is hard work. In fact, it's been my experience of 31 years being a Christian that praying is probably one of the toughest parts of the Christian life. Because there you are, you're down on your knees and you're speaking to him that is invisible and it takes faith and it takes desire to pray. But we need to be praying. It seems to be absent in many Christians' lives. So if we want something to happen, we must be in church. You're going to miss a blessing. Remember Thomas at the end of St. John's Gospel. Jesus had risen from the dead. Thomas appeared to the, um, Jesus appeared to the disciples and Thomas was missing. He missed a blessing, you see. He missed a blessing of what Jesus said. He missed a blessing of seeing the risen Lord and he missed a blessing of the encouragement. So we need to be in the house of God faithfully. We need to be praying people if we want to see something happens. But when those two, something happening, when those two aspects are together, something will happen. I am pleased that every time I pray to my heavenly Father, something definitely happens. He always will answer my prayer because he promises it. He may not answer it in the way I want it to be answered, but he answers it for my blessing. It's going to be no Colin, 
that's not going to be good for you. Or yes, Colin, that's a good prayer. That's according to my will. I'm going to answer it. Or hang on and grow in patience and learn. But there's always those things. And one of the reasons why we don't get our prayers answered is because we don't pray according to God's will. Now, it's most interesting to see the genuine disciples in the book of Acts. When they prayed, they prayed according to God's will. And that's why the book of Acts is an action book, because something happened when people prayed and something happened when people were faithful. So if nothing's happening in your life, that's your fault. It isn't God's fault. You need to be in church more regularly or you need to be on your knees more often. It's just as straightforward as that. Now, also... Another aspect of seeing God work is that something always happens when we concern ourselves about others. If you're concerned about others and their spiritual needs or their other needs, God is going to make something happen. Notice here again in in chapter 3 and verse number 2 here that they were faithful in the temple in verse number 1. They were faithful in praying also in verse number 1. And now in verse number 2, they were faithful in caring for others. Verse number 2, And a certain man, we don't know what his name was, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So here was this guy who was lame and crippled at the gate of the temple, and he was lying there, Uh, And Peter and John saw him, and he saw others carrying this man into the temple. Now, here's a good picture, folks. If you have an unsaved friend or an unsaved family member, it is up to you to, if you like, in a picture form, carry them to Jesus. You're responsible for that. You may remember in Mark chapter 2, Jesus had this crippled man lowered down to him through the roof in the house he was staying. And the Bible says that four of his friends carried him to Jesus. In fact, they were so concerned about getting him to Jesus that they smashed a hole in the roof of the house and they lowered him down. Now, there's a commitment to get folks to Christ, you see. I wonder how far you would go to carry or introduce your friend to Jesus. But there was something going to happen here because people had taken time to carry this man into the house of God on this occasion. They wanted something to happen in this man's life. So we have to be faithful. God will bless that. We have to pray. God will bless that. And we have to be concerned about others and God will bless that. And once those three things were in place here, we find that something wonderful happened. God was working. Have a look here again in verse number 2. The Bible says, And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they, that was his helpers, lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. And here we find that uh, as those things were in place, something wonderful and beautiful happened. You know, folks, when I was saved, something wonderful happened in my life. When you were saved, something fantastic happened in your life. And if that hasn't happened in your life, you're not saved. 
because you cannot encounter the living God, the one who spoke and the heavens and the earth came into being in six days. You cannot encounter the God of heaven without something beautiful and something wonderful happening. It's just impossible. And here's something wonderful happened uh, right at the temple, which is called beautiful. If you keep your finger here and turn back to the book of Isaiah, I want to show you how God does work wonderfully in people's lives and how he changes them. Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah chapter 55 uh, and verse 11 to 13. Uh, And this was what was going to happen in this man's life in Acts chapter 3 in a minute. Let's have a look here, uh, Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 11. The Bible says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And in verse number 13 is a picture of God doing something beautiful and wonderful in somebody's life. He says there, Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So there you see, before we were saved, we were just like a thorn bush. When we were saved, now we're like a fir tree. There's a beautiful picture there that God does something wonderful in a person's life. When somebody becomes a Christian, it's never a backward step. If you're not a Christian today, as I mentioned this morning, you're missing out on God doing something wonderful and beautiful in your life and you need to be saved if you're not saved. But come back here to Acts chapter 3, you see. They put him at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, a very appropriate word, because now God was going to do a beautiful work in this lame man's life. And I I want you to notice, uh, carrying on there in Acts chapter 3, if you'd have a look at verse number 6. Let's read from verse number 3. The Bible says here in verse number 3, who seeing Peter and John, here was a man laying at the temple gate now, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked in arms, And Peter, fastening in his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, they'd already been faithful going to the temple, so they were expecting Always expect something to happen when you come to God's house. They'd been faithful by praying. Always expect something to happen when you pray. They'd been faithful by concerning themselves about others. And they brought him to this beautiful place called Beautiful, the temple gate. And now something happened. And this is very, very important in our modern day church. Something beautiful happened here now because God's people focused on Christ and not assets. That's important. Look there again in verse number six. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see, Peter and John really didn't have two pennies to rub together, but they had something much more than that. 
And so they focused on the assets and the blessings and the treasures they had in Christ. And you know, we have to remember that the, the, the church, God's church is not an ATM machine. It is not a money-making thing. And you know, we have to be very careful here. God's people give to God's work, but the emphasis shouldn't be the money, it should be Jesus Christ. And we need to be so careful about that. In some of my visits over to America, we've been to some great churches over there. But very often money is spoken about far too much. What we need to speak about if we expect something to happen is Jesus Christ. We need to expect Him to provide. We need to concentrate on Him. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If we're looking unto Jesus, there'll be enough money in the offering to keep the place going for the next 80 years. Something was going to happen here because they were focusing on Jesus. If you have a need, don't look on the need. Look upon the one who's able to sort the need out. If you have a difficult circumstance or difficult relationship problem, don't focus on that. Focus on Jesus who can sort out any circumstance or any relationship problem. Jesus is able to do that. He's able to fix relationships. He's able to fix marriage. And he's able to free people from all sorts of addiction because that's the one we worship. And so Peter and John were very wise here. They said to this man, well, we haven't got two halfpennies to rub together, to use that old-fashioned term, but what we do know and what we can share with you is there's a God in heaven who loves you and he can heal you. Do you believe that? That's really what they're saying. And so it's really important that we should focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder how many times you've focused on him today. People come to me sometimes and they say, well, preacher, I'm having a bit of difficulty getting to sleep. I'm always worrying. And so I tell them, focus on Jesus. Before you go to sleep, memorize a Bible passage, you know. Memorize his word. We're so often uh, focus on all the difficulties and it causes us to become like wibbly-wobbly jellies. Whereas that's not necessary. All we have to do is focus on him. Now, if Peter and John had said to this man, well, we'll give you a couple of bars of gold, you know, that wouldn't have healed the problem. The problem was done and sorted when they left it with the problem solver. And so it's Jesus we need to focus on, and something was going to be happening here. If we as a church, even Bethel Free Baptist Church, concentrate too much on the tithes and what's coming in, rather than the Saviour and the God of heaven, we won't be here in 80 years' time. But if we focus on him, all needs will be met because he promises that. I remember when Rose and I first uh, went into full-time ministry. I was in a pretty good job at the, in the beginning of the 1990s. I was a grade one electronics engineer. The money was rolling in, folks. I was a Christian, but the money was rolling in. And boy, I was pretty wealthy at that time. And I thank God for that. And then one day I, I heard the call of God uh, and uh, the church there at Corby where we ministered for 17, 18 years. I, I heard the call of God and uh, I really felt that that was what God was calling me to do. The only problem was 
I had to give up my, my, my very well-paying job. Rosalind at that time didn't, didn't actually have had a job. We just lost our daughter. And there were all sorts of difficulties going on. Uh, and, uh, of course, in our particular circles, we live by faith. And uh, so I, I submitted to the Lord and other brothers felt that that was the correct leading. And so we took the work at Corby and all we had when we took that church over was £25 a month. That was our total income. But I said to Rose and I quoted this verse, I said, we're not going to look on assets, we're going to look on the God of heaven. Now let me tell you folks, £25 a month, earthly speaking, is not too much. You'd agree with that, wouldn't you? But ever since then, God has allowed me to have porridge for breakfast every morning. He's provided for my needs, you see. And we took that step of faith because when you focus on Jesus, something happens. It always does. It's so exciting to see God working in that fashion. It's a great thing. Rosalind's just recovering from cancer. Had cancer early on in the year. Pray for her. She's doing a lot better now. But it's been a challenge to us, you know. But God, so she, 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 she's just going on with the Lord and God's just blessing us. It's an incredible thing. Why? Because we focus on him. If we'd focused on the cancer, we could have got pretty depressed, folks. I'm pretty discouraged, but we focused on Jesus. And here was a lame man, you see. Well, if he'd focused on his lameness and on the silver and gold, nothing would have happened. But something happened when he focused on Jesus. It's so important. So when do things happen? When God's people are faithful to his house. When God's people pray. When God's people concern themselves about others and carry others to Jesus and talk to others about Jesus. And when it does happen, it's beautiful. And it happens when God's people focus on Jesus and not what they have. Now, I want you to notice something else here also. This is a wonderful, wonderful miracle. Look at verse number six again. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Isn't that great? What an amazing thing that must have been to witness. The power of God in action there. And I want you to notice the word immediately there. I mentioned earlier the word straight away and immediately occurs lots of times in the book of Mark. Now, this man didn't book up an appointment for three months to see a consultant in an NHS hospital. You know, he, he didn't ring up his GP and the GP said, we'll come in in four months time when we've got an appointment. You see, the power of God was available here and it was immediately that's what I like to see. I like to see God work like that. And so immediately he was healed. Now there's a picture here. There's a picture of salvation here. Because not only was this man healed physically, he was also healed spiritually. Now this is important, folks, because my Bible teaches me that when somebody's saved, they're saved immediately. It's a done deal. Sometimes we talk about the transaction is done. And the moment a person genuinely believes on Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in their lives. They become a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit seals them, which is a guarantee of heaven. And it's an immediate thing. The Bible knows nothing about progressive salvation. 
It knows nothing about the fact, well, maybe we'll go on for three months and we've got to receive some second blessing and then we've got to go through some other ritual. The Bible always teaches immediate salvation. We're either saved or we're not saved. This man was either healed or he wasn't healed. It's an immediate thing. And we really need to get to grips with that and talk to folks more about it. You know, the word justification in the Bible is a favourite word of the Apostle Paul. And the word justification means that on the day I was saved and you were saved, all our sins passed are gone, all our sins committed today are gone, and praise God, all our sins committed in the future are gone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Immediate salvation. None of this stuff like with the cults would have you have, that you've got to go through some ritual, you've got to study some material. It's a done deal when Jesus saved you. And so there's a picture here. But notice that it only happened because people were faithful, because people were praying, because people were concerned about others, and because people focused on Jesus and not circumstances or finances. This is the way in which we see God working. And something always happens when we follow those steps. Now, of course, as a result of that, in this particular miracle, and always when God works, notice here in verses number 8 and 9, and he leaping up, he received his strength in verse number 7, and he leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, this is amazing. Look at verse number 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And something always happens when... God touches a person's life. And I want you to notice, boy, I, I meet so many miserable Christians. You know? Why do we need to be miserable? I don't see that in the Scripture. They had a hard time. I mean, Peter, for example, in Peter's day, when he wrote 1 and 2, Peter, Emperor Nero, Nero there, he, he used to, to, to uh, put, uh, use Christians as human torches. You know, that's pretty tough in those days. We think we've got it tough. But why are Christians so miserable? There's something wrong with that. You see, when this man was saved, we find there was joy. You may remember in Galatians 5 and verse number 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. This man was excited about Jesus. He was praising and he was worshipping Jesus. If you're miserable... One has to ask the question, do you know him? Has he made that change in your life? Are you really sure that you had that relationship with Jesus? Why be miserable when the God of the universe has saved you? Now, when I'm talking about joy, I'm not talking about us rolling down the aisle doing glory rolls. What I'm talking about is a quiet joy in our heart and our life, a contentment. That's really, really important. And something always happens in the way of joy and excitement when we're faithful, when we pray, when we concern ourselves about others, and when we focus on Jesus and not our assets. Let's be joyful. Remember, people aren't impressed by somebody who looks like the back end of a bus. They're really not. 
you know. The joy of the Lord is my strength, Nehemiah said in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 10. If we don't show the joy in our lives and demonstrate the joy in our lives, how can people possibly say that Jesus, or, or know that Jesus Christ is alive and that he's changing our life? And so this man immediately, it says, he was walking and he was leaping and he was praising God. I was talking to our brother over here at lunchtime and he was telling me his testimony. And I said to him, if I hadn't trusted Jesus at 26 years old, I'd definitely be dead by now. You know, I was in hospital three times with stomach hemorrhages because of drinking too much. And I certainly would have been dead. But the night Jesus saved me, it was so exciting. It was thrilling to be a Christian. And I'm still thrilled 31 years later. That's genuine Christianity. It may be you don't experience that. Perhaps it's because you're not faithful to God's house. Perhaps it's because you're not praying as you should do. Perhaps it's because you're not carrying others to the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps it's because you're too concerned about your bills rather than one who can meet the bills. Perhaps you don't even know him and you haven't experienced that immediate salvation. It's a good question to ask ourselves. And then finally, something always happens in the lives of onlookers when God does a wonderful work. Look here again at verse number 8 through to 10. The Bible says there, And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew it was he which sat for arms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were all filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. You see, something always happens in those who are looking on when God does something wonderful. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. The night I was saved and encountered the Lord Jesus Christ was a Thursday night, and I was at home on my own, and I heard a radio broadcast, a, a, a brethren evangelist, Dick Saunders. It was one of the very rare nights I wasn't drunk, and I heard the message just before midnight that I was a sinner. I didn't need any convincing of that, and that Jesus could save me, and I, I, I just kneeled down and I received Christ, and instantaneously, by the grace of God, he changed me. But boy, I remember I went into work the next day and I spoke to the other engineers and I said, I've become a Christian. Oh, you can imagine how well that was received. Not too many people patted me on the back, folks. They really didn't. But I tried to maintain a testimony. I worked very closely with another engineer who was also one of my drinking partners and also in my darts club, you know, down at the local pub. And he was the devil's advocate. I used to go out with him and he ribbed me and ribbed me and ribbed me about becoming a Christian. But by the grace of God, as I prayed, God managed to keep me strong. And about three months after I got saved, one night I was at home on my own, there was a knock on the front door. And it was my friend Mick, the one who had ribbed me and given me a hard time. And he stood at the door and I can still see his face now. He said, Colin, I've come to see you. And there were tears rolling down his face. And he said, I want what you've got. You see, when God does a work in somebody's life, 
other people see it. You cannot encounter the living God without other people seeing it. So Mick there and then that evening kneeled down and he trusted Christ. And I worked with him and boy, he grew as a Christian, joined the local church. And then of course I moved away from where I lived and I'd lost touch with him for 26 years. And earlier on this month, earlier on this year rather, middle of the summer, I, I, I found him again on the computer and I contacted him. He still lives in my hometown. And boy, he sent a message back to me and we've started communicating. He's got two daughters, both of those are saved. His grandchildren in church and going on with God. And other members of his family have been saved because Mick stood firm and witnessed to them. Boy, that thrilled my heart. But actually, the truth was that Mick saw that God had worked in my life by his grace. No glory to me, but all the glory to God. And that's what happened here, you see. This man had been wonderfully healed, and the Bible says they were all filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened in him. If God's worked in your life, you must be having an impact on other people. They must be seeing something different because that's just the way God works. And remember, we're responsible for sharing with them. So on your 80th anniversary, if you want to see God continue to work at Bethel Free Baptist Church, be faithful to the meetings. It's not only going to be a blessing for you, it's going to be a blessing for the other saints as well and your regular pastor. Be faithful in prayer. Something always happens when God's people pray. Something always happens when God's people are concerned and carry the message of Jesus to others. And it's always something beautiful and God's people always see something happen when they focus on Him and not their circumstances and their assets. Some of the poorest people in the history of Christendom have been the most effective people for the Lord Jesus Christ. And God always works immediately in people's lives when he saves them. And when he touches a heart, the miserableness goes. You know, I don't get excited with gadgets anymore or maybe a new car. And it doesn't excite me. Jesus excites me. He's the one because of what he's done in my life. At the end of the day, if he's given me a home in heaven where there's no more tears, no more pain, no more aggro, no more suffering, and I'm going to have a perfect and wonderful body, what could be better than, than that? If when Rose and I are driving back to Corby this afternoon and you hear that we've been killed on the motorway on the way home because a 44-ton juggernaut has perhaps run into us, don't be upset, folks. You rejoice. Have a field day. Brother Pavitt and his wife are now enjoying the pleasure at the right hand of God forevermore. That's living Christianity. That was the position here in the book of Acts. There was a vibrant, thrilling, exciting, satisfying relationship with Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches. Now I wonder if that type of thing is happening in your life. It should be, it can be, and it will do if you're faithful to his house faithful in prayer, carrying the message to others and focusing on him and not the assets. And when God touches your heart, you'll have a wonderful joy of him working in your life and touching others. As you continue to live right and do right at Bethel Free Baptist Church for the next 80 years, you can be sure that something will happen 
every time you meet. Somebody will be blessed, encouraged, and challenged. Mm -hmm.